That's a beautiful song. Thank you, Jenny, for that. Through every storm. We all go through them. We all thank the Lord that He is the captain of the ship and He carries us through the storms of our lives. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we're very conscious of the fact that we need You this morning to be our teacher by the Holy Spirit and show us wonderful things from Your Word that can encourage us today in our Christian walk and that can bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Father, that today that you will hide me behind the cross and help these words be your words today with power and unction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will reach down deep into the inner recesses of our souls and touch our lives so that we can say with a songwriter, he touched me and made me whole. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us and pray that you'll lead us now in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been thinking this week about what to speak on, and that's always the toughest thing for a speaker, to get the subject, as we can relate to for those who have given the word at any different times. The Lord laid a subject on my heart, and I've been praying about it, and he, he confirmed it, and he said, this is the one that you should give. So may the Lord encourage us today. You know, we're in a battle today. It's not a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle. We're in a fight. We're in a fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the worst enemy that I have is the middle one. It's the flesh. And we have to subdue it every day. And the Lord Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief. He's the general. He's the one who's in charge in our lives. He's the captain of our salvation. And he has told us that we are his soldiers. We're soldiers of the cross. And we don't go forth to fight the battles in our own strength because if we went up against the devil, we would be like a little child with a pop gun trying to defeat an army the size of the Chinese army. We can't do it. Satan is too strong for us. The world is too overwhelming for us. Our own flesh is too devastating for us. But we need the Lord's power. And when we have the Lord's power, He can give us victory over every sin and through every temptation that we go through in life. Paul told his young son in the faith, Timothy, these words. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which also you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He told Timothy, you're going to go out there and you're going to go to Ephesus and you're going to be in a fight. You're going to be in a battle. The devil is going to come heavy against you. The closer we walk to the Lord and with the Lord, the more the devil doesn't like it. And he is going to come against us, especially on Sunday morning and especially on Wednesday night and other times where he knows we're going to come to church. He wants to keep you from coming. So he'll come up with things all the time, schemes of the devil to do that. And we have to realize we're in a fight. We're behind enemy lines. And the Lord wants us to be victorious warriors for him. Our topic today is mighty men of valor. Mighty men of of valor. And when I say men, I don't mean just men. I mean men and women. Mighty men of valor. And the subject we're going to look at today is the mighty men of David in the Old Testament. We all know that David was the king. And even before he was the king, he had a number of men that followed him. And we're going to look at their lives today and what they, who they were, what they did, and how God used them. And the three things that we'll see today from this passage is, first of all, their enlistment in David's army. Secondly, their exploits that they did. And you're going to be amazed at some of the things that they did. And the third, what were the end results? How were they honored before David? May the Lord help us to follow these examples 
in our life. And you know, we need to fight. We need a fight. You know, if you don't have a battle and you don't have a fight and you're a soldier, what's going to happen to you? Your gun's not going to be cared for. You're not going to be ready. You're not going to be focused. You're going to be soft and lazy. And soldiers need to fight. They need to be trained to fight and then they need to go to fight. I remember back when they were, it was the, I think the first Gulf War and the, and the troops were all ready to go. As soon as they got the word, they were ready to go and they said, we're all trained. We're ready to go. We need to fight. And that's what soldiers need to do. And we as Christian soldiers for Christ, not a physical battle, but we need to be ready to fight every day. We need to put on that armor of God. A man named Will Duran in his book, Caesar and Christ, wrote these words. He says, Rome remained great as long as she had enemies who forced her to unity, vision and heroism. When she overcame them all, she flourished for a moment and then began to die. That was true of the Roman Empire. It was strong. And as long as they had enemies to conquer and they were fighting and they were doing that. But as soon as they stopped that, they got soft. They got lazy. They became very worldly, very sensual and all of these things. And Rome crumbled from the bottom under because of immorality and sin. And they weren't fighting at that point anymore. May the Lord help us to know that we have battles to fight. We have enemies to face and we can be mighty men and mighty women of God. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. First book of Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 22, we'll begin reading at verse 1. First Samuel 22, beginning at verse one. Here it says, David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house had heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who is in distress, everyone who is in debt and everyone who is discontented gathered to him. And so he became their captain over them. And there were about four hundred men with him. May God bless the reading of the of this verse to our hearts today. Just as an interesting footnote, I thought it was very interesting here in this passage of scripture that it talks about David's brothers, David's family. Remember back a little bit earlier in the life of David before he fought Goliath, he went to the battlefield to bring some supplies to his brothers. And remember how they put him down? Remember, his older brother says, what are you doing here? You've left those few sheep out there in the wilderness and you've come here. You're so proud and you're so arrogant. What are you doing? And he says, what have I done now? His brothers hated him. And then we remember the story of Joseph and how his brothers hated him, too. And they put him in a pit and then they sold him into slavery. So these are types of Christ. David and Joseph are types of Christ and how their Jewish brethren hated Christ, and one day they were restored to him, and one day the Jews will be regathered and restored, and that's going to be a blessing. But I thought it was really interesting. First, his brothers are so against him, now they've joined with David as he is fleeing from King Saul, who is trying to kill him. But look who joins David at this time. 400 men, 400 men join with David, and look what kind of men they were. First of all, it says they were in distress. These were the kind of men who came to David. They had problems in their lives. They didn't have easy lives. They were in distress. They had no hope. Their lives were shattered. 
Their hope was gone. Their lives were torn apart and they came to David in their distress. And it reminded me, before we become Christians, aren't we in distress? Aren't we in distress over our lives, over our sin? And you get to that point in your life where you say, I can't handle this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I've been trying to live my life myself and I've been trying to call all the shots and all these things on my own and it's not working. And then we come to the Lord and we confess that we're sinners and we say, Lord, I give you my life. You take control of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me eternal life. We get to the point of distress in our life. And we thank God that when we do that and turn to Christ, He saves us from that distress. But they were men in distress. Secondly, they were men in debt. If any of you have ever been in debt, you just feel sometimes like it's overwhelming. And the more you try to pay it off, the more it gets bigger. It gets bigger and bigger. And you know why it gets bigger? Because a lot of these credit card companies offer pretty high interest rates. Pretty high interest rates on there. So you, you get your billing statement, right? And it says, okay, minimum payment, $38. Oh, good. I only have to pay $38. Well, if you pay the minimum, I'm going to give you a lesson today, especially young people in credit card. If you pay the minimum charge, it's going to take you sometimes about 30 years to pay off that debt. You know what I'm saying? The older ones who've been around for a while, you know what I'm saying. Debt. And it's like a huge burden you carry. These men were in debt. They couldn't pay it. They said, we might as well join with David because we have no hope on ourselves of paying off our debt. And that's the way it is with sin. Sin has a great debt in our life. We, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. And Christ says, I came to pay your debt for you. And Christ did not owe the debt. but He paid the debt for us. Yes, that hymn writer says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Yes, these men were in debt. They couldn't pay it. And they joined themselves with David. And then the third thing, interestingly enough, and they are all three D's. Isn't that interesting? I didn't even have to create that. It was all right there in the text. They were discontented. Oh, I think we know a lot of people like that today. How many people do you know in your life? And maybe you feel this way too. You're discontent. The, the word discontentment really means you're not happy in life. You're not happy with your circumstances. You may not be happy with your family, with your job, with the way things are going in life. Someone, sometimes people say to you, how is life treating you? I say, life is treating me bad, but Jesus is treating me good. That's the way it is. I mean, life is not going to treat us good. There's going to be uh, all kinds of things that happen to us in life. No joy, no contentment, no satisfaction without Christ. That's the, the bottom line to it. You can't just go and say, well, I'm going to be happy today. You, you try that for a while, see what happens. You, you go and then you, pretty soon you find the circumstances are the same way you left it the day before. And then you go down for the count again. But when you have the Lord Jesus Christ, even though you go through those storms, even though you go through those things that are tough, He's with you. And He turns your dissatisfaction into complete satisfaction and fulfillment in Him. Yes, these dreadful deeds are around today. Distress, debt, and discontentment. And only Christ can save us and give us a life that is worth living. He can give us something worth living for and something worth dying for because when we go to heaven, we're going to be immediately in His presence. 
But you know, these 400 men enlisted with David. I can imagine the 400 men walking up. I want to sign up. Give me the pen. They had pens and paper. Sign my name right here. I'm in the army. And they signed up one by one, 400 men. I thought about our two twins here. We have Bob on the left in the blue, Chris on the right in the white. They joined the Air Force few years ago now, and they're going to soon be out of the army. But when they first signed, as soon as you signed up and enlisted, you're in, man. You can't change your mind and say, well, you know, I made a mistake. I, I want to change my mind. You're in. You're enlisted in the army. And that's what these 400 men did. They said, we want to follow David. Now, look who David was at this point. He was a godly man. He was a shepherd. He had come out. He was Fleeing from Saul, though, he wasn't king at this point. He wasn't even the king. He was the rightful king that God had anointed through Samuel, but Saul was still on the throne. And so David was being pursued like a dog by Saul who wanted to kill him. So here were these 400 men. You're going to join David and you're going to be on the run. You're going to be wanted. They're going to have wanted posters up with wanted, dead or alive, David and all his men. And that's how it was in those days. But they said it's worth it to us. We want to follow David. We want a life that means something. And they said, we're going to join you. And later on, the number grew to about 600 men. It's really wonderful. Bill McDonald says, in the world, these men were misfits. But under David, they became mighty men of valor. Isn't that amazing? The world called them misfits. They're in debt. They're discontented. They're in distress. These are misfits. What can you do with them? Thank God, God can do a lot. Little is much when God is in it. And that's what he did there. Because they associated with David, they became great men. In and of themselves, they were misfits, yes. And before we're saved, we're misfits. Spiritually speaking, but he comes in, he saves us, he empowers us by the Holy Spirit. He makes us children of God. He makes us soldiers of the cross. And that's encouraging to me. You know, back a few weeks ago for Father's Day, we sang that song, A Few Good Men. And I like one of the lines in that song. It goes along with the message. It says, enlistment lines are open and he asks you to come in. He just needs a few good men. Good men and good women. He needs a few. God doesn't need many. The Lord Jesus didn't need many. He needed 12. Sent them out and changed the world. David didn't need many. He only needed 400 and later 600. And they fought against millions of people and defeated them. All because the power was not in them. Power was in God. And I can thank the Lord and you can thank the Lord for that. We often sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me and the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. When you join the Lord's army and you sign your name, you say, I want to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There is no turning back. No turning back to the world. No turning back to your old life. No turning back to your old sin. It's a going forward. But it's a fight. Because every day you have now become the enemy of the devil. And the devil has become your enemy. He's out to get you. So we need to be out to get him. We can't get him in ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the armor of God, we can face him and we can be victorious over him. So that's their enlistment. They've signed up. They've joined on. And it's going to be an interesting ride for them. And we're going to see that. 
Well, secondly, we not only see their enlistment, but we see their exploits. Later on, when, we, when you have time, go home today and read 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 to 39. You'll read the list of all those mighty men. And of the 400, there was a select group of 37 there. And it tells something about the lives of many of them. And they are great exploits. I'm, only, I'm going to refer to some of them today. And you can be amazed about what these men did in the power of God. These men, these mighty men of valor, they were the Delta Force of their day. They were the Rangers. They were the SEALs of their day. And you're going to see how these few men became fierce fighters. They were fiercely loyal to David. They were sincere. And God used them in a very, very powerful way. Yes, when David fled from Saul, they were with him. And they were with him all the way. And then he became king. And he reigned Seven years over Judah in Jerusalem. And then 33 years over all Israel. And everything was going pretty well for David until one day his son Absalom rose up and he took over his father's throne. He basically kicked his father out and got all the people onto his side. And David had to flee from Jerusalem and he had to go out and he was on the run for the second time in his life. First, he was fleeing from Saul and now he's fleeing from Absalom. It's amazing. And these men loyally followed David in 2 Samuel 15, 15, it says, we are your servants ready to do whatever my Lord commands. You know, it would have been easy for those mighty men to say, well, we're done fighting. I mean, we fought with you, David, for a long time. We fought with you through the days of Saul and the wars with the Philistines, but we're tired now. We're, we're tired. We want to retire because of that. You go, David. We're going to stay right here. I mean, we'll pray for you. No, we're with you, David. All the way. Even if we have to go out into the wilderness, even if we have to die with you, David, we're with you. What a loyalty they had. What a faithfulness to the work of God. They were willing to do it. They were the epitome of loyalty, faithfulness, and obedience. Things that are so lacking today. And you know, they fellowshiped with David. They fought with him. They fought for him consistently to the end. Soldiers for David all the way. Every day, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, they were consistent and they were fighters and they followed in that path. You know, we need more loyal people like that that will stand up for the cause of Christ and stand up for the fellow believers. There's a story told of Jackie Robinson. Remember, Jackie Robinson was the first black man to play in the major leagues. And he broke the color barrier and every stadium that he played in, they booed him. They booed him. They jeered him in every stadium. Well, one day he was playing at his home stadium in Brooklyn and he committed an error. And all of a sudden, all the fans turned against him. Started jeering him, started booing him. He felt humiliated. He stood there all by himself. Felt terrible just standing by second base. And all of a sudden, the shortstop on the team, his name was Pee Wee Reese. He came over to him and he put his arm around his shoulder and he said, he didn't even say anything. He just put his arm around his shoulder and the crowd grew quiet. Yes, here was a man who was loyal to his friend. And that's the kind of loyalty that these men had. They would give their life for you. They would give their life for David. They'd put it on the line. And that's the way they lived their life, supporting David and each other. Their deeds of bravery and heroism are unparalleled in the Scriptures. They really are. For those who fought battles, they were unbelievable. And their names are recorded here in Scripture. The first one that I'd like to mention this morning, his name is Joshab 
Bashebeth. He was a Tachmanite. It says he killed 800 men at one time. 800 men. How would you like to fight 800 men and kill them all? That was God's power. That's God's strength. Then there was a man named Eleazar, of the son of Dodo. He attacked the Philistines by himself. And he had a sword in his hand. And it says his hand got so weary fighting the Philistines because he defeated every one of those Philistines. Unbelievable. These, these people did tremendous great things for the Lord. And then there was a man named Shammah. And Shammah, he liked lentils because he was in this field of lentils and he defended the field and he killed every Philistine. He said, I am going to stand my ground in this field and fight. That's the kind of fighters we need today. We need spiritual warriors like that that say, here's my territory. Here's my ground. I'm going to stand on it. With my family, I'm going to take a stand. At work, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a stand in my community and neighborhood. I'm going to take this field and I'm going to fight for Jesus. That's the kind of soldiers we ought to be like they were in their days. And then it talks about the big three. I really like the big three. The A's have the big three, Mulder, Hudson, Zito. You know, that's the big three for the Oakland A's. Not doing that well right now, but they're, they're coming back. But they're the big three. They're the big three. Well, David had a big three. You say, who were the big three? It doesn't mention even their names, but they're called the three. One day, David was in the stronghold near Bethlehem and he was fighting against the Philistines and the Philistines had their stronghold in Bethlehem, in God's city where Jesus was born, in Bethlehem. And David couldn't get to that city. He's from Bethlehem. He couldn't get to his own city. And one day he just said out loud, oh, if I could just get a drink of water from that well over there in Bethlehem, if I could just have a drink. And he probably didn't say it too loud. And three men got up without saying anything to anybody, to David or anybody else. They went behind enemy lines into Bethlehem, which wasn't too far away, got the water from David that he so longed for and brought it to him. And they handed it to him. David, here's what you were longing for. He was so touched. He was so amazed that he says, I can't drink this water. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord on the ground. And this is what he said. Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their own lives? I can't drink it. They risked their lives to get that water for me and I'm pouring it out to you, Lord, as a sacrifice for the loyalty and the love and the devotion of these men. They rose to the highest rank among the mighty men. Those three. Those three are known at the top of the list in God's honor roll because of what they did. Yes, David was so blessed by it. May the Lord help us to have this same spirit of self-sacrifice and service for our Lord that says, whatever needs to be done, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with all my heart. That's the way a soldier is. It's fighting for his uh, commander-in-chief. And that's the way we are too. Whatever it takes to do the battle. I recently heard of a story about four brothers. And their three brothers are in the army and they have their khakis on and everything. They're ready to go fight in Iraq. The fourth brother had already served eight years in the army. Have you heard about this story? He'd already served four year, I mean, eight years. He's joining up again so he can go with his three other brothers to fight in Iraq. I thought, what a commitment. What a loyalty that he has for those younger brothers that he loves. He says, they're going, I'm going too. And that's the way we are as servants of Christ, as soldiers for the Lord. We support each other and we go to fight. And it is a fight and it is a victory that we win with the Lord's help. 
You know, the next one that's mentioned is one of my favorites too. His name is Abishai. He's the brother of Joab, the son of Jeriah. It says he lifted up his spear against 300 men and killed them. And it says he won a name among David's most trusted servants. That was Abishai. He was a great man of God. The next one is also an amazing one. And his name is Benaiah. And listen to what he did. He went off and fought against two lion-like men. Think about that. Lion-like. How fierce of fighters were they? They were Moabites. They were lion-like men. You wouldn't want to face them in a dark alley, believe me. Lion-like men. And he defeated them. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. He faced lion-like men and he faced a lion and he did it with God's strength and won the victory. And then the third thing he did, this is the most amazing thing, he fought against an Egyptian and he's called a spectacular man, a tall, strong Egyptian soldier. And he fought against him and he got his sword away, a spear away from the Egyptian and killed him with his own spear. That is the power of God. That's the way they fought. These were mighty men of God, and that's the way that the Lord Jesus wants us to be. We, too, can do great exploits for the Lord if we realize that it's not in us, it's not in our strength, it's not in our effort, it's in the Lord totally. And when we do that, we can be a blessing to so many people. And then thirdly, not only do we see their enlistment, and not only do we see their exploits, which are tremendous, but we see the end result in their life. And the end result was this. They finished strong. You know, they didn't just start off well and fizzle out like so many people do today. They started strong and they finished strong. They remained loyal to David all the way through. And they fought that good fight. It reminds us of the Apostle Paul. At the end of his life, he wrote to Timothy the following words. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. You know, there's going to be a crown to win. But to win that crown, you've got to bear the cross. The cross precedes the crown. And that's the way it is in life. If we bear the cross for Christ, we serve in his army, we live for him, we honor him and please him. The end result will be crowns that we will cast down at our Savior's feet in heaven and say, Lord, I couldn't have won this without you. I cast it at your feet. Lord, I give you this crown also. I give you this crown also. And when we do that, the Lord will be so pleased. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Someone once said, the crowns we wear in heaven must be won on earth. And that is so true. I'll say it again. The crowns we wear in heaven must be won on earth. You know, when you get to heaven, you're going to say, I won't have a chance to win any crowns in heaven. Now is the time we do because there won't be any sin in heaven like Ron was sharing today in Scripture Memory Class. There won't be any temptations there. There won't be any battles to fight then. We've got to fight them now. We've got to win them now. We've got to win over sin now. Then we will have the blessing of crowns in heaven. And then we see in this chapter, there's two times where the word honored is used. He honors those who are the three that I mentioned. And he honors the others who serve. They were honored by David because of their service. But you know what? There's a person missing. There's a couple people missing here in this chapter. And one of them is Joab. 
And you say, well, how could there be a list of the 37 most influential, powerful of, of David's servants? And Joab wasn't mentioned. He was his general. He was his general all through the days of David. He was a great general. He loyally followed David and everything. Why isn't Joab mentioned? Well, the reason Joab wasn't mentioned is because he murdered three people. Three people. He mur- murdered a man named Amasa. He, married Ab- he murdered Abner, who was... Saul's general that turned over to David and became David's one of David's in David's army and he went and killed him because Abner had killed his brother. Now he killed him in a war fair and square it was a fair fight and he and Abner even told uh, Joab's brother don't pursue me anymore I don't want to have to kill you but he didn't listen and he killed him and so Joab put that in his mind revenge revenge. And that's one thing that we can put as a side note on this. Revenge Sin of any kind is going to ruin our testimony. It's going to ruin the result and we're not going to finish well. So we have to realize that the Lord wants us to finish strong too. And that's why the Holy Spirit does not record the name of Joab in this chapter. He started off well. He served well, but he messed up at the end and it was not good for Joab. Oh, he was still saved. That's the thing. We, if we're truly saved and know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, you can never lose your salvation. You have your salvation, but you can lose the rewards. You can really lose it because the Bible says there's three types. There's wood, there's hay, and there's stubble. And all of those things are the things that we do with the wrong motives or the wrong actions. Burned up. Burned up. But when we have gold and silver and precious stones like these men had, those are crowns in our jewel. Jewels in our crown that we can rejoice in today. May the Lord encourage us to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we're soldiers of Christ. But in order to be effective as soldiers of Christ, we have to do several things. First of all, we have to put on the whole armor of God. Remember in in Ephesians 6, it talks about the helmet of salvation, talks about the breastplate of righteousness, talks about the sword of the Spirit, talks about the belt of truth, talks about feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We have to put on that uniform, that armor, every day of our lives. Can you imagine if a soldier said, well, I don't feel like putting on my uniform today. Who needs this helmet anyway? Who needs this gun anyway? Who needs this uniform anyway? I'll go out just like this and I'll, and I'll fight. No. You've got to put on the uniform. You've got to take up the armaments. And then you can be an effective soldier. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Put on the whole armor of God. Secondly, we have to fight that good fight of faith. We can't give up and say, Lord, I I can't handle it anymore. Yes, we can in ourselves, but we can fight on with his help and his power and we can fight to victory and through to victory. Thirdly, endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, Paul told Timothy. Endure hardship. We're going to have trials. We're going to have storms. We're going to have hardship. And the Lord says to endure them. I'll get you through. So many people say, I can't handle this. It's too much. It is too much for us. But when we put it in the Lord's hands, he bears that burden for us. Thank God for that. And then not only that, but we're not to entangle ourselves in the affairs of this world, but seek to please the one who enlisted us in his army. That's what Paul told Timothy. Don't entangle yourself in the things of this world. Because the world is like a web. It wants to entangle you in it and get you all engulfed in it. And then you can't be effective for Christ. You can't be useful like we talked about in Scripture memory class today because the devil and the world and the flesh get all this web of sin around you and you're, you're blocked. You're, you're completely vanquished. 
And may the Lord help us to cast off those things, cast off the sin which so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. May the Lord help us to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Like these mighty men of David, they started off how? As misfits. They started off distressed, discontented, and completely downcast and all of that in debt. And they found with David, they became mighty men of valor. And that's the kind of life the Lord wants us to have. He wants us to be good soldiers of Christ. Just like the hymn writer said, soldiers of Christ arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through his eternal son. Stand then in his great might with all his strength endued, but take to arm you for the fight, the panoply of God. Somebody is going to ask me what panoply means. That's not a word that we oftentimes use. So I said, I better look up that word because somebody might ask me. Plus, I don't like to use words that I'm not familiar with. And I've heard it before, but I wonder, what is the panoply of God? It means the armor. It means the equipment. That's really what panoply means if you look it up. And that's exactly what we need to have. We need to fight the good fight of faith. We need to be trained in God's word. We need to be prepared in prayer. We need to be taught in the, in the ways of God so that when we go out of these doors today, we can go out victorious. And we don't have to come back with our tail between our legs. We can be victorious. He wants us to win the fight and be victorious over all these things. May we just give everything over to the Lord. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for these mighty men of David. They give us such an example of loyalty and faithfulness and how hard they fought for David and for you. And Lord, you gave them battle after battle, victory after victory, not in their own strength, but in your strength. They did some amazing things. Help us to realize, Lord, that in our strength we can do nothing, but in your strength and power, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, please help us to have victory over sin and temptation. Help us to have victory over this evil, sinful flesh within us and help us, Lord, to be victorious Christians, good soldiers of the cross until you come, Lord. Your coming could be today. We want to be found faithful. We want to be found working and serving the Master, our Captain. And we just commit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. And we ask this in your precious and most worthy name. Amen.